Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate are once again stuck in quarantine for the second week. And we're just trying to figure out what it means to be a pastor in the midst of a pandemic. So we're simply calling this one, the one where we're in quarantine, week two. We hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How is the second week of quarantine treating you? I, you know, I think it's going pretty well. We've uh, we've kind of moved beyond that uh, that first uh, that first stage of um, you know what are we going to do? How are we going to stay connected to everyone? We've put in place a lot of uh, digital means to stay connected, um, and now we're moving to the place where we're ready to uh, you know lay lay out plans for what happens when people get sick and when resources are aren't insufficient and how does the church respond to that and so uh in some in some ways it's it's gotten uh less stressful on the church uh like the worship side of things and uh more stressful as we realize you know kind of the the measure and weight of uh of what this is going to do to the world and so yeah, so I agree with you. There's, uh, it's like somebody I was telling somebody, my job has and my, what I do every day has just shifted. It's all about connecting and about, you know, staying in touch and about making sure people have what they need and getting out the word better. Um, and so there's a lot more of that kind of stuff, trying to to locate needs and then meet the needs that we can find. Really, I've seen a lot of people taking care of one another. So a lot of times when I call people, they're like, we're good. You know, so-and-so has been helping us here and there. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and so it's it's been a, a good thing to see the community respond and for people to take care of one another. But we're also, we're doing some of the same kind of stuff. You know, already thinking about Easter. What is Easter going to look like this year and those kind of things? And um, how will we be able to make Easter a big deal, but maybe in a new kind of way? And so... Yeah, but as far as the just the pace and schedule and everything, it's feeling like we're kind of starting to get into a little bit of a groove here at, at my place and uh, kind of seeing what this life will look like for a little while now. Last week was was definitely seemed like a very long week. This week is already going by a little faster. Yeah, yeah. last so, week felt like it was a, a whole month. Yeah, it really yeah. did. It really, really did. So I've I've moved out my youngest on Monday, so that was part of my agenda as a dad there. Had to help him get out of the dorms and uh, just uh, end up, you know, just getting him home. And he'll be home now, depending on if he gets to go to camps this summer. Um, he'll be yeah. home for, for a while. If he doesn't go to camps, then he'll be home a long, long time. So yeah, longest that's... time he's been home in a while. So. We're we're dealing with the same thing with Maggie. I'm supposed to yeah, go the up same group, to huh? uh, Oklahoma City and uh, and get her 
uh, get her stuff out of her dorm. Uh, I was supposed to go, I'm scheduled for the 28th um, to do yeah. that, but uh, but I don't know that we're going to be able to do that because uh, while our, our county is not in a, uh, um, in a lockdown or uh, shelter in place, as it were, I don't think they like the word lockdown, um, but... Uh, Dude, I love the, the word lockdown. <laughs> it just sounds so definitive does it and so i think that's probably why people don't want to use that word it's shelter in place shelter in place um but uh it, you know it's just kind of one of those uh uh things that we we thought we were going to drive up there but uh and i'm kind of honestly i'm kind of glad that uh that uh, i don't i'm not going to drive to oklahoma city uh in in a day and back um you know and and in the meantime carry everything down three or four flights of stairs. So I'm okay yeah. with it. You know, and, yeah. and I'm not, it's not hurting my feelings. And Maggie has plenty of clothes here at the house and she brought all of her technology with her. So there's some things she wants, but nothing that she needs. And so we're, that mini fridge won't do us any good here at the house. It was just going to, we're going to have to put it in the, in the garage somewhere. So <laughs> some things that she wants, but not many things that she needs. That should be story of the American uh, consumer assistant, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's all of us. Yeah. Tyler brought his mini fridge home. As we were pulling it down one of the flights of stairs, one of the guys was like, "Man, I didn't know we could have a refrigerator like that." And I said, "Well, we just didn't ask." <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. I don't know. I'm like, uh oh, now they're gonna um, now they're gonna catch you. So we put that uh, fridge in the garage. My boys have created a workout room, so before this all started up too much, we cleaned out our shop, which if you know me, like I, I don't build things very often, so the shop is pretty empty, <laughs> and so now it's become a workout room, so much so that Tyler said he's even running sprints in there, so that tells you how empty it is at the current oh, time. We, we like, cleaned it way out from where it was. If, so. you, can, if you can do down and backs... In your, yeah, uh, yeah. In He's your... Doing some down and backs, <laughs> man. They came in last night and they were dripping of sweat, and uh -huh. I was like, I, I guess Tyler's no joke. So if I come out of this looking like you know those people who go into prison and come back all muscled up, you may see me like that. I told Tyler he's gonna have to be my trainer. So <laughs> apparently he don't he don't play. Yeah, on, when he's, when on he's the other side, out. on the other side of that spectrum, I did not get up for workout this morning. Our trainer has us on. Uh, FaceTime. Uh, yeah, you're like it's not as motivating when you can't, yeah. you know, slap me across the face or something. Well, yeah, Shelly, I'm sure your trainer wouldn't do that, but no. Well, <laughs> she she might threaten it, but she wouldn't actually do it. Um, yeah, right. Shelly got up and worked out, but uh, she says I have to. I have to stay in this routine. And yeah, uh, Shelly's always been like better yeah. than you at that. Oh, she's <laughs> she is the disciplined one. Oh, I'm so undisciplined in so many ways cuz while well, she's I'll, I will watch her work out while eating a Cadbury egg, you know. Yeah. Um, that's just I used to do that too. Paula doesn't enjoy it when I sit and drink Coca-Cola and stuff and watch her workout <laughs> with her workout videos. Yeah, no. It's not encouraging for some reason. No, so. Shelly's yeah. Shelly's just mad at me when that happens. I so. think we're a lot alike. Uh, that's why we get along so well. <laughs> that's right. So. There we go. Um, no, I would, I do want to that. Whereas Shelly may be more disciplined. I'm going to, I was going to throw some props out to you. I saw you reading children's stories, uh, storybooks online. And, uh, I was like, that is the most Michael thing 
ever. <laughs> you you are so good at being like prophetic and in the midst of, you know, gloom, despair, um, the sky is falling, doing something as impractical but yet practical as reading children's stories to people oh, yeah. because I think – I think that's that kind of prophetic imagination. That's that hopeful vision uh, that we need more of. And I, I thought about stealing your idea, but then all of us, all the people that know me know you and they'll be like, he's such a copycat. (laughs) So if I do end up reading stories online, you'll, I'll give you some credit for it. You feel free to do so. I, uh, I don't do a morning devotional because I just turn people on to yours. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate that. The, uh, just, just watch Nate. He's going to say something better than I would say anyway. I'm not. Well, today I got to do it outside. It's going to be 80 here today. Oh, yeah. We're, it's nice. We're going to have to wear shorts today. I'm, uh, yeah. It's air conditioned in the house. I wore shorts yesterday. But it's not. Uh, I mean, we've been turning our air conditioner on because it got real muggy and real, Yeah. Uh, you know, just rough in here. And, of course, we're working out in the living room at this yeah. point. So Oof. it's kind of, yeah. So because <laughs> we don't have my garage. Um, I'm actually in my garage right now, and it is there's a air hockey table in here. Yeah, and there's uh, you know a lawnmower and all of the things that that you. It looks like a church plant threw up in my garage. Really is what yeah, is what happened. It really did. Yeah, because that's I mean, what literally. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I got my workout in behind the mower hour and a half yesterday. Hour and a half behind yeah. the mower. Yeah, I got a little got a little cardio going, so it it was good times. I'm uh, definitely enjoying that. So it was uh, nice and sunny yesterday, and I decided to take some time and just get outside and mow the all lawn because the weeds are growing faster than the grass right now. So yeah, um, yeah, you know how that goes oh, yeah. on in this season. Yeah, so. I've got more. I've got clover. I don't have grass. Yeah, yeah, I just have clover. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 good times. Well, I think last week we said we might we might come back to this idea of presence. We're Absolutely. in this time now where we we can't be physically present with people. Right. It was funny. I bumped into one of my ladies at the grocery store last night. One of our senior adults, and uh, she's not really on social media or really any kind of internet stuff. So I, I saw her, and my first reaction was to go give her a hug and I didn't I was just like and it felt so weird to yeah. like resist the urge oh yeah of, of going and she said she said something to the effect yeah I really want to just give you a hug just now but can't do it so yeah yeah let's talk a little more bit about presence today we didn't exhaust the topic last week by any yeah. means so <laughs> yeah. yeah I am I had a situation like that where I encountered a family um the uh, and my intent was to encounter them from a distance and you know, use social distancing, but have a conversation. Um, and their the little their little girl, she didn't follow any of the rules. She just came. She threw ru- caution to the wind. She came running across the space we were in, and uh, and just wrapped her arms around me, uh, around my waist, and just hugged me real big, and and uh, just it, it's such an interesting dynamic, you know. And how do we how do we navigate uh, how do we navigate love? When love is so associated with touch and nearness and closeness and being with people, um, yeah. you know, and, and that's not to say that everybody's love language is is touch. Um, yeah, my, I have a friend who yeah, mine hates is, but, hugs. 
Oh, yeah. And she she said, I'm just loving the life right now because I will go up and hug this friend. Like, I'll give her the old side hug every time I see her just because she hates it. Like, I'm that guy, right? Yeah, okay. So I will force, force the yeah. interaction. She laughs about it. She's been our friend for years. But, um, yeah, there's definitely, for many of us, just the ability to even shake someone's hand or, you know, give them a hug. Oh, yeah. Is I have this girl, kind of like you were talking about, this little girl comes to church and she'll sit during the service on family Sundays and she'll ask her grandma, is it time yet? And her grandma's telling me this. I mean, I'm about to start crying. She's like, is it time yet? Because her grandma will have to tell her, no, you can't go give Pastor Nate a hug until church is over. Because <laughs> they don't get there early enough to, for me to hug her before church. So sure, she's, sure. she's always sitting there in the pew going, is it time yet? Can yeah. I go give Pastor Can, Nate a hug? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And for some reason, oh, this girl just gracious. absolutely loves me. And, and it's so, it just melts your heart because she just really wants just just to be loved and to know love. And so, like you said, it's uh, it's definitely one of those things where um, it's difficult to do what we're called to do um, when, when we can't physically even high five. Yeah. You know, no, I don't even know how to engage with strangers. I, okay, so we were (laughs) driving, we were driving down the the road. Uh, So this thing happened, or kind of the beginning of the shutdown was caught us in the middle of spring break. Um, And yeah, you guys were in Florida on the beach, weren't you? You were those people. I was, I was those people. If I get COVID, I get COVID. You know, no, I wasn't those people. We're um, just out here. We're turned up. Turn up. Some of those. I <laughs> I heard somebody say that. I was I like, know. I hope they look on. at those those videos later and go, man, that just, I shouldn't have said that or acted that yeah. way. I hope there's some realization of, of you know, social responsibility in that. Right. And uh, you guys were at your family's house. Right? I was at my mom and yeah. dad's house. And, yeah. uh, and just to clarify, so no one's yeah, like, no, was like, what were you doing? Writing Michael? us with no. comments. <laughs> I was in uh, I was in Lubbock, Texas, and so there's a long stretch of road uh, where there's nothing, and we had a blowout. Uh, oh goodness! On, on our... you know what Lubbock, Texas is, by the way. What's that? The birthplace of one Nate Cook. Is that where you were born? You were born just in, in Lubbock. You're Did yeah. you know that I was born in Lubbock, Texas? In St. Mary's Hospital, it I, used to be called St. Mary's. It was called St. Mary's of the Plains. Um, that's yeah. where that's where Jonah was born. Um, but okay, it was it had a new name by the time. Uh, yes, by that time. But uh, I was born in so U- you had a blowout University Hospital there. Oh, Lubbock. okay. And uh, yeah, um, we had a blowout, and so I put the you know, I put the donut on. Jonah helped me put the donut on, and. Uh, he goes, Dad. There's something wrong with this tire, and I'm like, No, this is this is a donut. This is the it's the small tire that'll get you. You can't go very fast. He says, Dad, you can't go faster than 50. It says it right there on the tire. You know, he was real worried. Yeah, about it. you can't and, do it. Uh, yeah, and of course I went 60 at some points because I mean it's this huge stretch of highway where I'm just like, oh, I can't to take going any. About 85. Oh yeah, where the signs actually say 80 miles an hour. You know, yeah. so um, oh, I've been on that road. Yeah, and I've pushed it. <laughs> so. I, we get to this place and I go in and I say, Hey, do you have these tires? Like I, we're in this little bitty town in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, I said, do you have these tires? Actually, I, I went to a convenience store and 
and uh, my family went to the restroom and we gassed up and I went to the clerk and said, is there a place to get tires in this town? And she said, absolutely. Right around the corner, there's a great place called Dipsticks. And so, Dipsticks, yeah, so yeah. I went to, went to Dipsticks Perfect. and the, the owner is standing behind the counter and he's, he's telling me, you know, uh, keeping how hard it is to uh, keep tires in stock for all the different sizes that cars have, but I might, I might have what you need. And so he looks it up and he says, I, I have, I have some tires that'll fit that car. As a matter of fact, I have the exact same model that you have on there, uh, that you oh, have wow. on the car. And so, uh, we'll put those on there. Well, he did. And when he was done, you know, we're right in the middle of this social distancing thing and, and, uh, and it's new. And I just like, as soon as it was done, I reached out and shook his hand. So yeah. thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. You know, and uh, and shook his hand and, and thought to myself, uh, I don't know what to do now. Like, so he went straight back to his office and got that orange goop that like scratches <laughs> your hands off. Yes, and <laughs> he he washed his hands, I'm sure. Like, and I got to the car and Shelly hands me a Clorox wipe and says, "You're not supposed to be touching people," <laughs> kind of a thing, and, and uh, wash my hands off. And so just being in that mindset where we're where we're mindful of what we could be giving to other people is very. It's a yeah. difficult. It's a difficult conditioning that we have to do, and sometimes staying home is the best I can do to do that. Because, man, if somebody like when that little girl ran up and hugged me, I didn't stop her. Like I, it didn't even right. occur. Yeah. It didn't even occur to me to stop her until after the fact, you know. And I yeah. just, I just, I hugged her back and thought, uh oh, well, and looked at her mom and dad, and they were like, yeah, we know. It's she. <laughs> she's a hugger, and we. Uh, there was just no stopping her because it would nobody expected it to happen, you know. And so, uh, right. But yeah. But a hug used to be this welcome thing, and now how do you stop that welcoming? You know, and you worry about the offense that you're going to cause, and and why is it that we need to be we need to feel that connection, and what is that connection? It's so, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. Difficult to it is to navigate. I, I grew up in a church that was full of huggers, and uh, what's funny is. Paula did not. So so we have very different kind of understanding of I mean, at church, everybody hugged everybody. I sure. mean, I remember as a kid, you know, like um, these little old ladies wanting to hug me and, and me being kind of scared of some of them. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> uh, but they were just being sweet, you know. But, uh, you know, as a teenager, I didn't mind all the girls wanting to hug. I mean, that was something we were all down for. <laughs> yeah. But it was it yeah. was kind of a very huggy, affectionate church. And I know for some people that sounds like the worst nightmare. But for, for me, that was kind of part of the language of church was you, you always had people who were just there to love you. And, um, and, and it was completely appropriate kind of kind of hugging. And it was it was just this whole idea of, you know, even outside your mom and your dad, your grandpa and your grandma, you had all these other people. They kind of had adopted you, you know, and, and I think it was a really great thing as a kid to, to feel that kind of love from a community um, as you're growing up because so many kids have, you know, don't, don't feel that kind of love, maybe even at home. So um, I, I think that's one of the things that church often has to offer. And so uh, when we're talking about presence, I mean, this is a, a very interesting time for all of us uh, yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Bob Goff tells that story about uh, the uh, his neighbor. I don't know if you've read Everybody Always, but if you haven't. I've read part of it, yeah. and then I got back into a semester of classes, and that's usually when my reading for fun stops. Yeah. So uh, 
Bob Goff tells the story about, you know, this parade that they do for uh, his neighbor who has cancer, and she stands at the big picture window as the parade oh, in their neighborhood yeah, goes yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, And uh, I did read that part. And I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, part of, part of story time with Michael was just, you know, how can we... How can we parade in front of the big picture window? Kind of a yeah, kind of a yeah. thought process. You know, how, what? How do we? How do we help each other during this crisis? Because you know, this is gonna. There's gonna be some, some real strain on our addicts. You know, people who just can't. Who who? Yes. Who their coping mechanisms are are substance abuse and things of that nature. That's just gonna be so hard. Uh, you know, and at what point? At what point is? Uh, is it more detrimental for them to be alone than it is, uh, you know, for them to come in contact with others who may have uh, COVID or whatever? So it's, you know. Yeah, it's just, and then like, I was thinking about mental health just all together. You know, oh, yeah. I shared on Sunday in our church service a little bit about my own struggles with anxiety as a young adult. And even this last, you know, last week, I felt some of that coming back on, which I hadn't really felt in a long, long time. So I think, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there like that. And isolation is not what we're made for. I mean no. No, presence, we... being together. Yeah. In fact they've they've proven that recovery works better when people recover in communities and what we generally do is isolate them in rooms, you know, like Oh yeah. Um, in institutions. So Yeah, yeah. Well um, it's isolation often that uh, that causes a person to uh to lash out in a in a criminal way and then so our prisons are places where we uh, isolate them we isolate them more yeah and and so which which we've discovered you know is not helpful so doing uh groups and getting them together where they're where they're doing you know peer uh peer accountability and those kind of things are helpful in uh, more of a restorative justice uh a process and so yeah, I think we're we're learning a lot, but but we learned it a long time ago when we started talking about the triune God, right? Because we talked about right uh, a God who is a relationship within God's self, and then we're created in the image of that God, and so we are built for relationship too, you know. So yeah, for a long time, um, the Eastern Church kind of held the the ground on the Trinity, and I think the Western Church is finally beginning to rediscover it but that whole idea you're talking about which is a hard thing to fathom but just the fact that god is not loving like god doesn't just love people god is love in the right. midst of god's self so the father loves the son who loves the spirit right. who loves the father who loves the son who loves the spirit who loves the father right. i mean it's just like this whole like yeah. dance of love that then we get invited into right. and the presence of god um, the presence of God is enough for us, but we also are made um, to have that kind of presence with other people. And so I think right now what the church is really doing is scrambling to do the best we can with what we have. But there will be a day when we all need to be back together in person, in body. Yeah, sure. Uh, there will be a day uh, when, we're, when it becomes reasonable that I hope, I hope what the church gets from this is how much we need that meeting time. And that we don't give up on the habit of meeting good. I'm hearing so many people say, and this may be a little bit of a controversial statement or going against the grain, but hearing so many people say, well, the church is finally unleashed to online. Like we're, we're discovering new ways. And I'm like, 
I hope we don't end up staying this way. I hope we don't encourage people to stay online because what I'm discovering is how much I need those people in person. Sure. I think probably we've un- <laughs> we've unleashed some, you know, a lot of people are focused on, we've unleashed some tools that we should, these tools have been around for a long time. We should have been on top of this a long time ago, to be honest with you. Everything that we're doing in social media and social, you know, uh, through online stuff, we should have been doing this and being connected this way a long time ago. Uh, as soon as it came on the scene, we should be using every tool that we can to connect people. But I agree with you that we cannot forsake the assembly and getting together. Um, my concern, um, I was listening to Ed Stetzer. I don't, do you know Ed Stetzer? I know of Ed Stetzer. I don't know Ed Stetzer personally. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> I've been in the same room with him a couple of times and I've talked to him, but I haven't. I, I wouldn't say. He just name dropped on me. Well, no, I mean, I call you Noatary. Noatary is the king of name droppers. I've just been in church planting kind of scenarios where he's the one speaking, you know, at at things. And so, and had the opportunity to ask him questions and those kind of things. He's, um, but anyway, he, he put out a video, uh, you know, from his basement on Facebook live and, and, uh, and said some interesting things about this is not the crisis. The crisis is not how do you get your church online? Now that's great. Right. That's 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 step one, right? But uh, because we do need to stay connected. Um, hopefully, most of you were, and and we know that most of us were not. But hopefully, we were already connected in some way. I mean, you you said it the other day when we were having a conversation that uh, you were you were pretty prepared for this move to the online thing because you've been doing Facebook Live with the. Uh, with the daily devotions and those sort of things, the morning meditations. Yeah, and I so, realized it's three years this summer. Yeah, you've been doing it for a while. I've been really impressed I didn't even know that. with how long you've been doing this. But um, So you've already been thinking this way, but a lot of us had not been thinking this way. And I think you know the danger, uh, Ed Stetzer was saying this, and I tend to agree that um, the danger would be that we would go, yes, we have, we have managed connectivity, even though we can't be together and then stop. And then the crisis is over. But the crisis, I mean, people are going to get sick, you know, like in a couple of weeks, you're going to, you're going to know somebody who's infected with COVID. And I mean, if the numbers are correct, you know, I could be all wrong. And I, I already do, you know, and, but then if you know somebody who's infected, chances are in a month, you're going to know somebody who died from it. Yeah, you know, I hope I don't know that. I hope I, I don't, do. but yeah. but the numbers suggest that we will. Um, and right. so, and if you don't know that, then this shutdown, you're going to know a business owner who's struggling. You're going to know a family yes. that is worried about losing their home because they they miss two full paychecks uh, because right. we shut down for eight weeks. If all of that happens. To the extent, you know, and, and, and I, you know, this could be wrong. The projections could be wrong. We could, we could go back to work, uh, in a week and a half and, and probably. I would love to be back to work on Easter Sunday, but I'm not seeing that happening here. It doesn't looking at the news media, looking at the way that, that the CDC is responding to this, the things that are being said, you know, it, it, it could go eight weeks or more. It, we could, if you could write a movie though, it would end on Easter Yeah, we would just pack the house. Oh, sure. Sure we would. That would be, what a glorious ending. But but if all of that said, then how is the church going to respond 
you know, when people are, when, when the, yeah, when the real crisis hits, here. when the real crisis just, hits, how does the church respond to that? What does it look like for the church? And I love that you said, you know, the people that I'm calling, they're, they're reporting that they're taking care of one another. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, right, so far, we've been reaching out and we have found that people are pretty well taken care of. But, but what the question is for us, at least here, is what's going to happen next, like you're saying. So what happens when people aren't well taken care of? How do we respond? And I'm, I'm with you. We're, we're already beginning to think through those responses. Sure. Yeah. We're already beginning to, to think about, okay, how can we be prepared for this um, if it gets bad? And, and we pray that it doesn't. And I, I do pray, you know, that, that we don't see something like Italy. I, I think we're a little bit of a different population and size of country and all those things. I think there will be some other in, influencers. But, but we've been told it'll get worse before it gets better. So, yeah, um, yeah the, the thing with presence is, is really difficult. I am, we're going on lockdown tomorrow. So tonight, my wife and myself and uh, my youngest are going to go caroling. Did I tell you this last week online? I don't remember if we talked about this. I don't think you told me it last week online. I think you told me it on the phone yesterday, maybe. Yeah, so we're going caroling, and we're going to sing like three hymns, hopeful hymns, and we're going to stand about 15 feet away from people's doors, and we're just going to hit the people in our congregation who have no internet. We have those people in our congregation. So yeah. we have people who are not on Facebook. Right. We have people who don't get our emails. Uh, I have a, a phone chain for those people that I call one person and she calls them um, just to make sure that everybody's in the loop. But we have those people. And so tonight we're going to go do some hymn caroling um, just for about four or five people um, because I know we're not going to be able to contact them for a couple of weeks other than phone calls. Right. And just so they can see the face, you know, like online, people are seeing the face of their pastor every day. Uh, I'm doing morning meditations, but those who aren't there, they don't get to see that. And so right. um, I think that presence is really, really important. And uh, I I do believe it makes a difference. And we're trying to do it in the safest way possible and all those kinds of things, because, I mean, obviously those people are the people who are going to be the most susceptible. So we will be as far away as we can be from their houses and we will not let them run up and hug us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, that, not that they would, but, yeah, um, but, but just, uh, just understanding that uh, presence is a very big deal in, in this time. And uh, if they want to stand, you know, behind the door, I've had people do that when you're caroling, then they're more than welcome to do that as well. Um, so we're just, we're just trying to do whatever we can to bring hope. And that's why I loved wanted to bring up your book reading because there is something about in the midst of crisis um, that the church um, tells a different story, sings different songs, um, that, that we are those who peddle hope. And I, if, if I'm anything in this time, I hope, I hope it's a hope dealer. A hope dealer. Oh, yeah. Instead of, instead of dealing pharmaceuticals <laughs> or something like that, yeah. you know, I hope, I hope that we are putting out hope on the airwaves as often as possible. And I was pretty honest last Sunday. There are times even when your pastor's faith will waver. Oh, um, yeah. Faith but, is faith is not my strong suit, Nate. I don't know if you know that, but um, well, in, on my I think gift of strength. all of us who think so much. Yeah. You know, like 
that's that's why we're pastors partly because we wrestle yeah um but i don't want a pastor who's never wrestled with it right right like, no no like a, a pastor the quote i gave this week uh from Anne lamont said um the opposite of faith is not doubt the opposite of faith is certainty you know, yeah. if you have certainty, you don't need any faith. Oh, yeah. And so I don't want a pastor who just stands up certain all the time, just like, well, you know, I'm just going to say it even if I'm not. I mean, he's never wrestled with their own yeah. faith. Yeah. And so I think pastors, as much as anyone, maybe more, we tend towards doubt, questioning. Um, and it's through that that I think we're forged into the people who can lead. Like, I... And that was kind of my deal. You know, we even see Jesus in the garden. Like Jesus is sweating drops of blood when faced with his own death. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, how does that, yeah. how do you reconcile that when he's saying, not my will, but your will? Like, right. Like, if there's any other way, Lord. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's, uh, that's definitely, uh, but in the midst of it, we do come to a place. And this week, much more so, I've been at a place and I get to preach about dry bones on Sunday. So, you know, I'm going to be like, I'll be hooping and hollering in my living room. But yeah, yeah. we are those people who get to peddle hope and get to deal hope for people. So Yeah, well, we'll be talking Romans chapter 12 this Sunday. and uh, Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it's going to be it's gonna be good stuff. You can't stuff. beat that one either. That's one of my oh, favorites. It's such too. a good, I mean, you can just, I just kind of want to read it and then drop the mic, you know, kind of yeah. thing. It's just so good. I love good. the message so translation. I'll it's have so to read like it. I haven't practical. read it. Yeah, I haven't read it. it. It's like take your everyday, your ordinary, your going to work, your eating, oh, yeah. sleeping life. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll have to do that. The, yeah, um, read that one. Maybe I'll have. At least, yeah, I'll have somebody else read that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that way, that way, it's more uh, involved. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I was thinking about uh, Kara Powell uh, with uh, with Fuller Youth Institute while you were talking just a minute ago about um, about the enemy or the the opposite of uh, of faith. Is certainty, yeah. um, and uh, I was thinking about, and then and then how do you reconcile Jesus' struggle? Well, Kara Powell is uh, often I've heard her uh, when she's when she does talks and whatnot say that um, uh, that the enemy of our faith is not doubt; the enemy of our faith is silence, and yeah. so that's why the the word becomes so important to us because right. because you know. If you read scripture, you don't find a, a sterile environment at all. Like yeah. it's not, it, there's no sterility. There's no, uh, you know, it's not clean. It's messy as all get out because it's people telling stories of how messy it got and how difficult it was to hold on to faith. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think it's important that we wrestle, you know, with, with the Lord. I think that's where, you know, Jacob actually yeah. Learned, learned how to be in relationship with the Lord, you know. So the name of God's people, Israel, yeah, <laughs> I mean, is is the one who's with God. yeah, the one who contends with God, not the one who is uh, quietly compliant. Um, <laughs> you know. Now I'm gonna have to think through that Carapal thing about silence because my mystic monk mind over here is like, no, silence is the ground of all being. Well, yes, but I think <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. I think so. yeah. The, There's just a part of red flag. Sure. Wait, wait. Sure. Solitude. Is, so, I mean, I think what it is, is, is she's dealing with youth, right? Not speaking about Right. It. She's talking to yeah. youth, young people and saying, now listen, if you have doubt and you don't say anything to anybody about it, well, that's not going to do you any good because it's just going to fester inside you. And then you're going to walk away from your faith because 
you didn't have a yeah. conversation about it. Yeah, right. so. and it's that's it's very contextual how you're using the word silence. So that's oh, why sure. I wanted yeah, to just yeah. bring that up. And solitude, but that's why I went on valuable. camera last week and spoke about my own anxiety and my own panic. Like, like that's something that I don't talk a lot about. But I felt like in this time, like people need to know that your pastor may also have faith shaken. Sure. Here and there, absolutely. In the midst of this, when your when your world is kind of upended, it's the natural response. But but you know where we came to on Sunday was the question is whose hand are you reaching for when you feel like you're drowning? Like oh, Lord yeah. save me. Yeah. You know, Peter says, yeah, yeah. Lord save me. Yeah. And uh, and so ultimately, uh, fear is not the issue. And speaking it out also, I think, makes it it gets the the big you know that overwhelming feeling. You put it yeah. out there, and then you realize that God is, is enough. Yeah. In the midst of you, you, yeah. If you don't say it inside your head, it always seems a lot bigger. Always yeah. seems a bit. But you know, it here, this giant monster. Here's the thing: whenever, but whenever you speak it out, if it turns out that it is as big as it was in your head once you've spoken it out, then at least you don't get to approach it as the as a skeptic. You get to approach it as a as a missional person. A person who says, yeah, it is that big, and it it's probably going to kill me, but now I'm choosing to be a part of it. Instead of feeling, feeling overwhelmed by it, I'm going to jump, yeah. I'm going to ju- dive into it, and I'm going to trust God that he's going to trump my death with resurrection. You yeah. know, like he's going to trump my sacrifice. Yeah, that's definitely where, where um, many people go. And, you know, I was talking to Paula this week, and I was like, you know, in the midst of this, Things are bad. Things are bad. And people are, are sick, and there's lots of people who are vulnerable. Um, but I, th- I think also when you look at the long history of the world, um, what we are going through um, is not unique in one sense. No. It's unique in that it's a virus. I mean, it might be compared to like the plague, but it's not unique in that, that pain and suffering have been part of living all throughout history. Right. And and so the question is then how will we, like you say, will we go boldly in trusting the Lord even in our death? And, and that's a, I think that's part of what I was wrestling with last week is like, it, that's an easy, easy thing to say. Um, but I, I do believe in the resurrection, right? Yeah. And this week I get to preach about it. So, hey, do. Um, those bones <laughs> rattling around. So, yeah, I do believe in it. And really, you know, when you start to think about that, like, what is the worst that can happen? Um, uh, my Thomas Keating, one of my heroes, says, well, then you get to be with Jesus if the worst happens. You know, it's like he's just so, like, yeah. so yeah. matter of fact about it. And and sometimes it takes us a while to get there. And that's why I'm, I'm encouraged with right. Jesus even wrestling over his own death. Um, but finally, so submitting to the will of the father. So yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely lots of opportunity for us in this time to be uh real, to be vulnerable, yeah. to be honest, to be as present as we can be in people's lives, but not just peddling hope, but not in a in a cliche fashion, I feel like, you know? No, in a, in an undermining in, the mess of the mess. in an attempt to undermine fear, right? Like right. so so we in a revolutionary way that says, uh, "I know you're worried that there's not enough, but there's a, there's more than enough in the hands right. of Jesus. 
he takes seven loaves and a couple of fish and he multiplies them. Whatever whatever we're willing to share with Jesus, Jesus is willing to multiply for others. Dude, that Brueggemann devotional we've been using mm-hmm. was like it was written for 2020. Oh, well, the, it was written in yeah. 2017. Yeah, the Linton oh, postcards is so timely. The one that we're using is so yeah, timely. I didn't get that one. I I wish I would have now because you've been talking so well. Oh, it's so it's, well about it. Yeah. Which uh, did you see that Jess Middendorf is going to do a a, a Bible yes. study tonight? There's I'm going to be a. To it. I'm going to go to be it online. I'm going to go yeah. check out what. Well, maybe I'll see you there. I'll see you there online. <laughs> yeah, I've encouraged my people too because the fruit of the spirit is something we could all learn to exhibit a Absolutely. little more and allow God to yeah. shape us in. Well, sure, because right now, more than any, we need to be telling our congregations that they have gifts from the Holy Spirit. They are capable of being hope peddlers as well. That they have yeah. the that they have more means and access to more resources than they can than they know they do. Um, and because and, and you know the miracle, there's a big miracle and a, and a smaller miracle in that telling of the the feeding of the five thousand. And that is that that the miracle was Jesus was the big miracle was Jesus was breaking bread until there was until there was some left over. The small miracle was that somebody shared. Right. Yeah. You know, like that might have been the bigger miracle. I, it, well, yeah, that's kind of. I went to the store this week and looked for TP. Yes, that's we were the, out again. Isn't that interesting? That <laughs> the most useless thing. I mean, it's not useless, but the, the, I can survive without it. Man, we but all have running water. I went, we have yeah. running water. We don't need to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The week before I went and I got one little pack. Like my family size pack, and I just walked out of there. I was like, "We're good." And then yesterday we had we had to, to go get a few more things before we realized we're going to probably be locked in our houses for a little longer. And uh, and there was none left, and I was just kind of smirking and laughing um, about it. And I was like, "Out of all the things, I mean, I found food. Like food is probably more essential." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> TP. Yeah. yeah. And then bottled water. I guess where I'm at, I have well water. So I'm like, you know, stuff comes out of the tap. It won't kill you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ours, is, ours is drinkable. It's potable water. It's potable water. But that's why I say it is bad. It's not unique. And even then we're picking what kinds of food we're going to eat. Like, you know, United States, we've been a little sheltered from like, real poverty and suffering. Yeah. I mean, not everyone in the United States, obviously, but in the general public, yeah. um, we're not we're not worried about if we're going to eat. We're worried about what kinds of things will be on the shelves. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I, I, I think for me this week, I've been given a lot of perspective about God has been good in the midst of all this and and, and will continue to be. Um, it's that it's a, if we begin to lose people, I think, like you were saying, that will be when the church really needs to step up and and minister in ways that we can. I don't know what we'll be allowed to do as far as like services, things like that, you know. Um, but but we pray that that doesn't happen, and we pray that God uh, continues to guide people around the nation and as far as like helping helping out patients and things. Yeah. But we're you know. Obviously, what we're seeing from other countries is that there will be uh, sickness, and obviously, we've already had some death. So, yeah, praying for those folks. But it's good to see you this way. It's I, good I am to see thankful you too. for technology because yeah. 
we wouldn't have this podcast without it because no. we just wanted to see each other every week. Well, so. honestly, without technology, we would we would I mean our option would be to write letters to one another maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and see each other once a year or once yeah. every couple of years. So. And draw uh, pictures. Draw. <laughs> I could draw a picture of myself so you yeah. can see. Well, even at that, that's the technology to the pen and the paper, right? I mean, so right. everything's yeah. technology. So I'm just glad we've advanced to this easier use technology. Yeah, so. yeah, me too. Hey, well, I'm going to go grab some lunch. And then Same I've been here. trying to reach out to people at the church today and kind of keep up with them. Yeah. And that's we're going to go sing for people yeah. tonight. If you, can, if you can patronize, somehow patronize... Uh, local business that's just trying to keep its doors open or feed yeah. its family. Um, I'm just thinking about all those restaurants. Um, you know. Yeah, we've been doing a little bit of that um, where we can. You know. Yeah, it's just so hard, and I know you know my forty six dollars isn't going to go very far. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, for sure. But that's what I figured. That's that's my budget. If my family's going to eat out, if five people are going to eat out. It's going to cost forty six dollars. You know. Dude, you're you're doing something right then, because I feel like mine's about eighty usually. Oh God, sometimes not where we go. Sometimes it is, but I, you know, I have to give the good threat. You can drink water, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But that's anyway. true. <laughs> usually, I'm just so glad to get all mine together now. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't all Chase, live in the house. Chasing them down. Well, yeah, it's good to hey, see man, you, brother. Love, love you, you too. Hope you have a good week. All right. all right, talk to you later. All right, bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.